Let's talk about our democracy for a minute. <laughs> but let's do it in a way that makes the snowflakes' heads explode. Let me be clear before this podcast begins. We are loud, loud proud, proud, and do not give a fuck. This is the Tony Michaels Podcast. Real and raw political and social commentary. The freedom to oppress the rights of other people is not liberty, you shit-eating moron. Ah, the smell of freedom of speech. This is the Tony Michaels Podcast, and this is Tony Michaels. Hey, Tony, fuck them. I don't know if you've heard, but the kid diddlers in Tennessee, (laughs) apparently we put them on blast yesterday around the entire world, and they were like, oh, (laughs) that's that's really bad imagery. That's a horrible imagery. We got to backtrack. We're going to make sure that we put the age 18 in that bill, Not, not no age limit. Seems real convenient that yesterday we blasted all over the airwaves. They they tuck tail and run on their age limit. Of course they do. Why wouldn't they? They've been discovered as kid diddlers. The Republican. The Republican Party. We're not going to forget this. It, it, this is not like, especially here at this fucking show, this is not like we're just going to go, oh, well, maybe it was a clerical error. No, it was not a clerical error. They're going to continue this scourge for your children. They've shown their cards, folks. They've shown us who they are. They're out in the open. The Republican kid dealers will not stop. <laughs> you think just because they changed? Now, oh, oh, oh my God. They they discovered, they discovered that we're pedophiles. We better change the bill quickly before anyone notices. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. We noticed. We know who you are. We know who you we know who your enemy is. Fascist. You know, I I was thinking a lot yesterday about this bill, especially after it was amended. And I thought, you know, what if what if they passed that bill in Tennessee and a 35, 40-year-old woman were to marry a 10-year-old boy? I would say they would lock her up. They were like, nope, this law was never intended for an adult woman to marry a little boy and take away his take away his manhood. We know what the law was intended for. You know, you know what it was intended for. You know exactly what they were trying to do. Their intention was for old men to marry girls. Little girls. It's what it was intended for. To marry children. I tweeted yesterday. You can't abort babies, but you sure as hell can marry them. 
Republicans everywhere. That's the rub, folks. This is their party. Don't believe me? Don't believe me? Look at the vote. Look at the vote in the House to investigate war crimes. Six Republicans. Six. We're like, no, 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 no. Don't don't investigate war crimes. Because if we call, if we call what Putin's doing war crimes, what we want to do in this country would be considered war crimes. Don't doubt that's where they're at. They're getting really fucking close. They're trying, they were going to try, listen, they were going to try to pass a law in Tennessee for a bunch of adult men to marry little baby girls. Got it? And as soon as, as soon, I mean the minute we start blasting it all over the airwaves, they're like, oh no, we we didn't mean that. That's not, that's not what, (laughs) we're not actually, uh, pedophile we're not actually pedophiles we're not uh we're not actually pedophiles we're just uh we meant we meant uh we meant change the age to 18 we didn't actually mean we could marry anyone we want whenever we want because we're white old men who have power we didn't actually mean that (laughs) just forget we ever did that bill there Nope, not going to forget. Not doing that. They own that shit now. Hook, line, sinker. The whole thing. From now until forever. Never going to forget that shit. That these Republicans are kid diddlers. I mean, the evidence is clear. They can't stop talking. They cannot stop talking about sexualizing kids' gender. They sexualize children's gender over and over and over. In Florida, Candace Owens does a video about it, about how she's going to somehow Disney is some kind of sexualizing kids' gender. What the fuck is she talking about? Fucking maniac. Fucking weirdos. Concerned about people's genitalia in bathrooms. Worried about who's marrying who, who loves who, sexualizing love, sexualizing kids' gender. Then they want to marry kids. I don't know. Maybe that's one reason why they're totally against abortion. Is that, I mean, if, if you if you if you abort and have an abortion, well, that's just less crop for these old white men to marry. I mean, really, if you think about it. How are they going to get a date? How are they going to get married? If you abort all the babies, they want to marry them now. I'm not going to forget this, folks. This isn't going to be like, oh, yay, we won that fight. Let's move on. I don't think so. We are going to continue, continue to beat this drum. You want to win the 2022 midterms? Is that what you want to do? I know pro-democracy people out there that are absolutely terrified that these fascists are going to take over the House of Representatives and the Senate. Terrified. Not just that. Secretary of State offices, attorney generals, governors. They're on our doorstep, folks. And they've shown us who they are. Especially in Texas, Florida, and now Tennessee. So it's time. It's time to roll out the messaging. 
and play the little game that they like to play when when we do elections and politics. It's well past time as far as I'm concerned. They they voted six House Republicans voted not to investigate the war crimes that Putin is committing in Ukraine. He is killing innocent women and children, men, civilians, executing them in Ukraine. And six House Republicans are like, man, no, you know what? Let's not investigate those war crimes. You know, if, if we investigate those war crimes, they might want to investigate war crimes that we would like to commit. Doubt me. Go back in your little history book. Do a little bit of research of how this stuff works. And how the slow trickle of fascism. Don't believe me? Paul Gozar. He's a house rep. He's going to a white nationalist meeting on Hitler's birthday of all of all of all of all days. He's going to go celebrate with a bunch of white nationalists. Adolf Hitler's birthday. Fantastic. Member of Congress. And they fucking love him. They love him. Oh, they love his kind of crazy. It's just on brand for them. On brand for Ron DeSantis. That bigot in Florida. The transphobe down in Texas, Greg Abbott. And now the kid diddlers over in Tennessee. So yeah, yeah. We're going to frame this up and we're going to keep after them. We're not going to forget just because they seen that, oh, a child bride, <laughs> that really didn't hit well with the American public. So we're going to back up on that. <laughs> we're just going to forget the whole, we wanted to marry children thing. Don't, don't pay attention. No, we're going to pay attention to that Republican Party. All of you, every last one of you. I haven't heard one, not, not one, not one prominent federal politician, senator, former senator, congressperson who stood in front of a microphone yesterday denouncing the law in Tennessee. Not one. You point them out to me. Send me the video. Send me the audio. Send me the news report. I'd love to see it. Not one. So guess what? They own it. Hook, line, sinker. You don't get to back away from your pedophilia, from you, from old men wanting to marry young, young girls. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. We have a special guest today. Co-host from Legal AF. KFA. Karen Friedman. Agnipolo. It is going to be fantastic. We have several subjects I want to talk about. You guys have heard this Secret Service bombshell? What in the hell is going on in Washington, D.C.? What is this story? I'm watching all kinds of videos of the FBI going into uh, an apartment building called The Crossing this morning. This thing is huge. But I also, she has a, a, a very special resume. And I want to ask her about the Manhattan DA. Because she has a little bit of insight into what that office is and what it can and can't be. And I want to ask her about the DA brag and how the governor could or could not have some influence over that office and possibly what legal influence the governor has and what decisions the governor of New York can make over that investigation in the Manhattan DA's office. So we're going to ask her about that. But the main reason why I had her on is because I really want to repent me because we're coming, we're really getting to the point where we should be seeing 
a lot of movement out of the Department of Justice. A lot of people are blaming Merrick Garland. A lot of people are blaming the January 6th Select Committee. So I really want to get her insight in what she thinks about the DOJ and Merrick Garland and how that is all that process is working with the January 6th Select Committee and the January 6th investigation into the insurrection and the coup attempt, the Cheeto dust kangaroo coup attempt. So I want to get her opinion on those things. So stick around. Everyone's here this morning. Everyone's here. Debbie from Salt Lake. Robin is here. Uh, Kathy's here. Andrea's here. Uh, Midas Margie's here. Amanda's here. Forrest from Facebook is here. Let's give some shout outs here. Uh, Corey from Facebook. Christina's here. Nancy's here. Uh, MJ. Good morning, MJ. Uh, Crystal is here. Charlene is here. Kaylin's here. Nancy's here. You guys, this is fantastic. You guys know we broadcast every single weekday, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern, 11 Central, 9 Pacific on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch live. We live stream. It's like a radio show, live radio. Now we come to you through, through the books of face on the Midas Touch Facebook page. Every single weekday, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern, 11 Central, 9 Pacific. Make sure to go to our YouTube channel and follow our YouTube channel as well. Just go to thetonymichaels.com or just search Tony Michaels Podcast on YouTube and you will find it. You will find it. But stick around. We're going to come right back. We have our special guest, KFA. As soon as we return, stick around. We'll be right back. What the fuck is wrong with you people? It's a rhetorical question at best. We'll be right back on the Tony Michaels Podcast. Letters from the Trucker Convoy. Dears Tammy, by the time we reached D.C., we was 50 strong in number. Some patriots ran out of gas along the way. We got plenty of Slim Jims and Skull. Near run out of Natty Light. Hope it don't rain tomorrow so we can circle the city again. Yours, Bob. Dear Bob. I'm fixing to send you some more of them Doritos you like, the red bag, not the lib-loving blue one. In your absence, I discovered a rash on my neck, and no, it ain't no hickey, and I even seen my cousin Brody in ages. Stay strong. Wipe your ass at least once a day. Yours, Tammy. Fuck em, fuck em, fuck em, fuck em, fuck em, fuck em. We're back to the Tony Michaels Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. Thanks for sticking with us. We have a special guest. We're going to ask about a, uh, several topics here. We're going to start asking about the Manhattan DA, Bragg, the brand new DA. We know there's been a little bit of controversy about. And I have, I have a special guest with me, KFA. Karen, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So it nice is, to see it, you. Yes, it is so good to have you here. Everyone everyone knows that you are the co-host of the Wednesday edition of Legal <laughs> AF. How many yes, you guys have been doing the episode? How many episodes have you guys done for this Wednesday? It's been a, it's been several weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I think we I think we're up to maybe 13 or 14. I, I'm not exactly sure, but around that number. So we're get, we're getting there. 
That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So everyone out there, uh, know the Midas Mighty is a is part of our fan base too. You know, you, you know, we 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 come to you from the the Midas Touch Facebook page, and we are uh, proud partners of Midas Touch. So we have a lot of the Midas Mighty, so they know exactly who Karen is. And and if you don't catch the Wednesday edition, you can go to the Midas Touch Facebook page and watch live and live chat with Popak because we've had Popak on the show and Karen during during the show live you can you can chat with him there on the YouTube page or you can catch it out on any of the uh, the podcast directories out there so <laughs> catch the special Wednesday edition but Karen you have you have a very special resume um, you used to work in a certain office it may or may not be the Manhattan DA's office is that correct <laughs> that is correct yes but you did not work for the current Manhattan DA. Is that is that correct also? That is correct. I worked for the two prior Manhattan DAs. I started under Robert Morgenthau, mm -hmm. and I worked for him for about 15 years. Then I left, and I went to work for Mayor Mike Bloomberg of New York City for a few years. Gotcha. And then when, when Cyrus Vance Jr. was elected district attorney, uh, I began working for him in 2010, and I stayed almost till the end of his administration which was uh, he, he served three terms, so 12 years, and he decided not to run again. And, and I was his chief assistant DA, which is the number two. So I basically helped run the whole office. And um, I knew when he wasn't going to run that uh, the new DA, whoever it would be, would want their own new chief assistant. So I had to decide, do I want to run for DA or do I want to uh, um, or I have to leave and find a new job. And I, d I made this decision. So here I am. And yes, that's where I worked. Well, we are very happy. I, I mean, I, there, I, I have mixed feelings. I wish you were in charge over there at the DA's office right now, because we have a little, we have a little of a mixed bag over there. Um, and there's probably things that you cannot talk about because there's probably some things that you do know that we can't reveal here on the show. Um, but I do want to ask you about, uh, how the Manhattan DAs work? Because a lot of people don't know, like how many terms can you serve? How long the term is? Because the question is, a lot of times is like, well, this Bragg guy, right? He won, he won the election, and he's decided at this point there's question whether he's going to prosecute. We've seen Pomerantz, uh, a special investigator with the DA, had left uh, the the resignation letter. Uh, had released. It was obvious why everyone thought they knew why <clears throat> he had left and, and the resignation letter lays it out there. So how long is a term for the DA? What, how does that work? So the DA, so New York city is mm -hmm. comprised of five boroughs, Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, and Staten Island. And each borough also known as a county, has its own elected district attorney. So the mm -hmm. Manhattan DA's office is exactly that. It's the Manhattan district attorney is the DA of Manhattan and just the island of Manhattan and prosecutes and investigates crimes that uh, involve the, um, the island of Manhattan. It's a four-year term. And there are no term limits. So oh, okay. Robert, Robert Morgenthau, for example, was district attorney for three decades. And, you know, there haven't been that many DAs and there haven't been that many Manhattan DAs. Uh, they've all been they've all been white men. And, you know, when you look at the people who are traditionally prosecuted by the Manhattan DA's office and most local prosecutors, it's 
it's nine out of 10 people of color. It's, you know, unfortunately. And I think at, at this time, and, and one of the reasons I decided not to run was I felt like at this moment in time, it was time for a person of color and to bring a new perspective into the district attorney's office. And I was really excited about Alvin Bragg at the time. He has an incredible resume and he has incredible experience. And he also has a really interesting life story growing up as a black man in New York City. And I felt like it really is time. You know, what I what I was doing all this time was very much old school, not old school, it was progressive to a point. And clearly it was time for a new perspective. But I'm starting to wonder whether he, whether my support for him was, uh, you know, was, was, was warranted. I mean, there were a couple of good candidates. He was one of the ones. I didn't endorse him necessarily, but I was rooting for him. You know, I love the office. It's, I would say it's probably the best prosecutor's office in the country. It's always had a great reputation and really rooting for him to do things differently and to bring a new perspective. But I have to say he's made some decisions that are really disappointing and I'm hearing from people in the office, they're not happy and people are leaving in droves and I'm, I'm very concerned. So what, what can be done about this? Because I had uh, Michael Popak, your, your, your co-host uh, on the Wednesday edition of Legal AF. I had him on the show and we asked him a few questions about um, what is what power does the governor have? Because from what I understand it, and in most states, I think it is this way, that the governor of the state has the power and the ability to um basically pull a mulligan if you want to uh, refer to it that way with a district attorney or any attorney or maybe even assign a special prosecutor so is there anything that can be done um where we see the letter from pomerantz and pomerantz lays it out in very clear language trump has committed crimes yes. not like maybe not like possibly not like uh it could be criminal activity he's like trump is a criminal he committed crimes. You have to prosecute him. And if you're not, I'm going to leave. That's basically what the letter says. So is there anything that can be done at this point from the governor or anyone else? So there's a couple of things. Um, the governor could make a referral to the attorney general's office. And the reason that's important is the attorney general um, who is has a parallel investigation, a civil investigation. Her name's uh, Letitia James. She has a parallel civil investigation uh, that was in conjunction with the Manhattan DA's office into the crimes that the Manhattan DA's office was investigating. So it had nothing to do with January 6th, for example. The Manhattan DA's office was investigating um, the valuation of various properties, either overvaluing or undervaluing, depending on whether they want to pay taxes, less taxes, or they want to be able to have an appraisal and, and make more, get more money um, on the property. So, you know, that's really what that investigation was about. It's very discreet. And the governor could give uh, Tish James jurisdiction, criminal jurisdiction over that if she wanted. And, and she's indicated she's aware of her of her powers and uh, her authority on on how she can do that. So that is one possibility. Another possibility is um, is the feds, you know, the U.S. attorney's offices. And they all have the, the U.S. attorney's office has criminal jurisdiction and they could prosecute this as well. You know, in my I have a, a sort of secret fantasy in my head where I'm thinking the Southern District of New York, which is notorious for being independent. They actually um, tongue in cheek call themselves the sovereign district of New York because, you know, they, they sort of do things um 
very innovative and bring cases um, in a way that isn't necessarily uh, the Department of Justice is slightly separate from them. You know, they, they do their own thing and they're respected to do their own thing and trusted. And in my mind, I'm hoping they're they're calling Mark Pomerantz up, who who resigned, who was a special prosecutor and is a former federal prosecutor, and puts him in the grand jury. I mean, the work has been done. You know, people are frustrated with Merrick Garland because he's taking. They say he's taking too long to investigate the um, the the crimes surrounding the insurrection, January sixth, and and other Trump and uh, Trump administration crimes. But investigations take time, and you can't put pressure, especially political pressure on criminal investigations, because that can actually infect them and and infuse politics into into criminal investigation. And the minute you put politics in there, people, it loses credibility. And 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 the, the power to prosecute someone really needs to be independent and separate. It's a separate branch of government. And it really you have to have faith in and in, in the judicial system. And, and you know, I, I will I, I have to say Trump was the first time ever that I think we we sort of started to lose faith in the Department of Justice because he was in, infecting criminal prosecutions with politics. And I, I know that Biden and, and Garland want to bring that independence and that respect back. So you got to keep politics out of out of this. But but the investigation, that long several year investigation that the Manhattan DA's office was done doing, they did the work. They were ready to go into the grand jury. They were ready to bring indictments. So the work is done. And and in my mind, I'm wondering whether the Southern District could call Mark Pomerantz up and prosecute the case that he and Kerry Dunn and the rest of the team at the Manhattan DA's office has put together all these years. And I, I also think it's it could be an easier prosecution or at least an easier indictment, because in, in New York State, in order to seek an indictment and you go into the grand jury, you have to put non-hearsay evidence, which means live every every piece of evidence you put in has to come from the person giving the evidence. So you could have hundreds of witnesses who have to come in and testify and tell what they know and put in their records and their documents. But the feds don't have that requirement. They can put hearsay into the grand jury. So I wonder, and I, you know, look, I'm not a federal prosecutor. I'm not an expert in that, but I'm wondering, could they just put Mark Pomerantz into the grand jury, get an indictment, and then subpoena all of the records that the Manhattan DA's office has and just bring that case? And, and that's what I'm hoping is happening. I'm hoping that it's happening behind the scenes. You know, I'm, I'm, the fact that we don't know about it is okay and probably a good thing. You don't want leaks coming out of your Justice Department or your prosecutor's offices. And so I'm just hoping that that's what's happening behind the scenes and we will see a case in short order. But that, that's what needs to happen if it's not. You know, I, I'm glad you segued into the Department of Justice um, through the Southern District of New York, Southern District of New York, because I believe there's a lot of federal districts that are probably quietly investigating a lot of the uh, Trump shenanigans that not only happened before he came president, but uh, while he was president and then after he lost the election. I believe there's probably a federal um, jurisdiction down in Georgia that's interested in some of the fraud that he committed down there and or tried to tried to intimidate uh, election officials down there. <clears throat> I believe that's a federal crime. I'm not sure. I'm not a lawyer, but, you know, or a prosecutor. But I, I believe that that possibly could be a federal crime yep. uh, in, in that district as well. So because I, I am I am of the same level you are about uh, Merrick Garland, the Department of Justice. Um, here's the thing. It is very authoritarian, which scares the 
absolute bejesus out of me. When left-wing people say Merrick Garland should just wave his magic wand and Merrick Garland should prosecute anyone and everyone within five feet of Donald Trump, right? Like that's the that's the feeling that you get. And they're really questioning the institution, not so much Merrick Garland, which is, I think, um, the slow walk to authoritarianism. I mean, these same people who are now complaining about Merrick Garland not doing enough to be an authoritarian figure in the Department of Justice were complaining about Bill Barr being an authoritarian figure in the Department of Justice. And it really is. Now, now I understand that the country is very on edge here and has a lot of anxiety about our democracy. If this stuff continues and people aren't held accountable, not just for January 6th, but the crimes that he possibly committed and probably committed with his uh, his money washing machine, that is the Trump organization in 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 New York, but also some of these uh, intimidation tactics that he used in some of these elections during the big lie. So if if you could explain to people, because you've been in a prosecutor's office, why it is so important for a prosecutor's office like the Manhattan DAs or the Southern District of New York or the Department of Justice in general to not say a single peep about an investigation because if that invest if certain information gets out about that investigation, it could hurt it. So explain that to us just a little bit. Sure. So there's a, there's many reasons why you don't want leaks to get out. First of all, putting together an investigation depends on having witnesses who are willing to cooperate. And you have to have people, you can subpoena them, but at the same time, you want people to be able to come in and testify. And so if you don't want them to be intimidated, you don't want them to be afraid. You also don't want them to talk to to, to listen to the news about um, facts. And, and suddenly they're going to now give facts that they heard on the news. That's not the, that's not their their mind, their evidence, their memory. And that's what it has to be. So part of it is is to preserve the evidence and to preserve the integrity of the evidence. And so that you make sure, you know, sometimes when people in in high profile uh, cases, you sometimes like in a murder case, you'll sometimes get some some people who come in and, you know, confess to the crime. You know, these people have mental health issues or other problems and they come in, they confess to the crime. And one of the things that um, that law enforcement does is they they test the person to see, do they know facts about the crime that was never published in the news, you know, that was never out there. And if they don't, you know, that's one way to easily weed them out. But if they do know something that was never published, it makes you sort of think, oh, well, maybe I need to look at this person further. So that's one reason why you do it. But another reason you, you also, you keep it secret or you keep, you know, you keep it um, without leaking is, you know, sometimes investigations don't end up in criminal, in in crime being, um, uh, charges being brought. And, you know, a lot of people get investigated for a lot of things that you've never heard about. And the minute you start you start sort of saying, oh, this person is being investigated for something and people hear about it, that can leave a stain on a perfectly innocent person's life forever. It literally will follow them forever. And look, I'm less concerned about that with Donald Trump, but in general, <laughs> in general, that is why you really don't, it's not right. It's it's not right that, it, that, that you know, 
um, that that happens. And the other thing too is, you know, you don't want your car, your case tried in the court of public opinion. You want your your case tried based on evidence. And and when it is tried in the court of public opinion, you got all these commentators. Now you got everyone, including me, have a podcast, and you know we sit here and we we comment on everything under the sun. You know, it, it's we don't know the facts, we don't know the evidence, we don't know any of it. And so here we're we're you know we're we're potentially infecting a jury pool, you know, that's going to sit and hear the case because sometimes you know when you when you have too much commentary and peanut gallery that don't don't know all the facts, you know, cases take on a feeling. And 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 again, there's the presumption of innocence, and we still have to prove our cases beyond a reasonable doubt to a jury. And you don't want them coming in with a preconceived notion or a bias or or they can't sit and be fair because they've heard too much about it. So there's lots of reasons. I'm sure I'm forgetting half of them, you know, <laughs> why, why it's important to, um, you know, to keep things, you know, very much um, not just quiet, but like you try your case in court. You know, prosecutors shouldn't talk about cases outside of court. You talk about it in court and, and that's where it should happen. That's where the words should happen. And that's where the information should happen. And I, I feel very strongly about that. So that, that that's a that's a, those are all really good points, and the the point that of uh, that you don't want stuff to leak out, and you don't want stuff to be political, and you don't want a lot of commentary. This is why I've been saying for a long time that this is the reason why Republicans, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, did and, and Donald Trump himself did not want a nine eleven style commission. Uh, to investigate the January 6th attack on the Capitol, the insurrection. And the reason why, they want it political. They want it out in the open. They wanted uh, Democrats to have a political investigation, which the the investigation with the January 6th Select Committee is political. It's a political body. It's politicians. And they're investigating it. It is a political investigation. And we heard we heard some noise that possibly the January 6th Select Committee was not going to be making criminal referrals, possibly for some high crimes. They're just making referrals that have to do with their committee being the contempt charges. Like yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen that uh, Dan Scavino and Peter Navarro were uh, advanced. They are going to refer. Congress is going to refer uh, those two individuals uh, for contempt of Congress, because not only not only are they not uh, doing the subpoena thing, but they are actively going out into the public, Navarro specifically, saying the things that the January 6th Select Committee wants to question them on. Um, and then he's claiming executive privilege. So there's a lot of working uh, going on in there. But do you think that is the one reason why Republicans didn't want? Am I right that they didn't want a 9-11 style commission because they wanted this to be political for the reasons that you're saying is to, you know, pollute, pollute an investigation from the Department of Justice or the Southern District in New York or maybe a district in Georgia where there could be possible election crimes. Do you think that's why possibly that the Republicans wanted that? I think it is. And I think it's a miscalculation. But what do you think? I don't think they're that smart. I mean, you're giving them way too much credit. I hate to say it. I think they don't want it because they don't want the facts out there. I think they, they, it's so ugly. It's so bad. Mm -hmm. And until you, you know, until you read sort of, uh, I I just recently read a 44 page decision um, that judge Carter issued in California uh, regarding John Eastman and, um, 
and whether or not certain documents are privileged. And in order to make that that ruling, he had to see, you know, under an attorney client privilege. And, and one of the exceptions is it's part of the crime fraud exception. And he and to do that, he you have to spell out was a crime committed. And so he spent many, 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 many pages, basically creating a roadmap for the Department of Justice or anybody else listening. There was a crime that committed. It's horrific. And this is how you prosecute it. And this is how you prosecute the president. And so I think they don't want those facts out there. And I think that's why why they're doing doing this, because they're hoping that Biden does sort of what he said he was going to do, which is let's bring us all together and let's move past it, heal the country. And I think they're hoping that the facts never come out. I mean, you might be right. I, I just I can't imagine that they that they aren't doing anything other than panicking that these that the facts not come out. But you are right. It does by them having this, you know, I have such mixed feelings about the House, um, about the House Select Committee uh, doing this investigation. And the reason I have mixed feelings about it is, number one, it does infuse politics into what's potentially a criminal prosecution, and it only hurts a prosecution because now it's going to be viewed as political. And it, it you want you want any pro first of all I I'm going to make very clear I absolutely think there should be a prosecution I'm hoping there should be a prosecution and I want there to be a prosecution and I want there to be not just a prosecution but a conviction and a successful prosecution so for that to happen uh, the worst thing you can do is infect it with politics it's the thing that will make every person every potential juror and every everybody think it's illegitimate and it's a witch hunt and you're going to feed into what Donald Trump is going to say if he is prosecuted that it's political because it came from the house so I'm hoping to God the house does not make a quote-unquote referral because mm -hmm. Be making a referral is not a thing. You don't need it, right? Like people- The Department of Justice has it, right? So that's your referral, it. Yeah. right? It's, can I tell you, prosecutors will read something in a newspaper and say, oh, wow, that's investigative journalism. I'm going to now issue subpoenas and look into that myself. <laughs> that That's, you know, you don't need much to bring a case. Right. You literally, you, you, you could have a witness tell you about it. You could have a police officer tell you about it, or you can read about it in the newspaper. You so don't, wait you a second, you're a telling me, you're telling me you could have watched the January 6th insurrection on TV and you could bring, you could bring uh, uh, that case to a grand jury based on the evidence that's just out there in the open. Is that what you're saying is that you can start an investigation that <laughs> you way? You can start an investigation that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So um, you don't need a referral. So don't do it because then you infuse politics into it. So I'm hoping to God they don't do it. The other thing that I, the reason I say I have mixed feelings about the January 6th committee is take a step back for a minute. Every single person on that committee is also one of the victims of the crime. Right. Many right. of them were there that day. Many of them were attacked, were terrified for their life. Imagine any other crime, any other case where the jury, you pick for the jury people who are actually victims of the crime. Think, think about a rape case and the, the, you know, the rape victim is going to be the person sitting on the jury and, and, and listening, you know, to the evidence. I mean, they, they, they can't be objective. You just can't. It makes no sense whatsoever that they're doing this if you want a prosecution. If there's not going to be a prosecution and they want to get the facts out there and, and issue a report and hold hearings and, and, and whatever, then I get it. Then you have a hearing. And that's why the 9-11 commission was, was so appropriate, because most of the people who did that died. 
and you know they 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 died in in the plane crash, etc. So you know there they, you couldn't bring a lot of those prosecutions, if any. So the people, the public wanted to know what happened, how did it happen, mm -hmm. and how did we get to that point? And and it made all the sense in the world that you would have a 9/11 commission. But we are hoping for a prosecution here, and so I would say to to Congress, back off, you know just really just the whole thing about the referral, you know, um, I know that that Navarro and Scavino, there was a referral of, um, because of this being held in contempt. And that is really the only thing that they should make referrals about are people who they want to be held in contempt of Congress. And that's appropriate because because that's something that's happening in Congress. You know, don't forget there's there's three branches of government, right? You know, and separation of powers. You've got, you know, the, the presidents, the executive branch, um, you've got the judicial branch, which is the judges, and you've got Congress, which is the legislative branch. And, and, and the Department of Justice, um, interestingly, falls under the executive branch, under the president, not under the judicial branch, even though it's, you know, it's, it's, um, even though it's it's part of the same system, you know, the court system. And so so you know, by the by if you by not doing what Congress wants you to do, the Congress is actually the victim of contempt of Congress. And so they're the ones then, you know, referring or reporting what happened to the executive branch and to the Justice Department who are the only ones who can actually bring an indictment and prosecute that. And so, you know, so that is an appropriate referral. But but the January 6th insurrection that you don't need a referral. It was on TV. They know about it. Investigate it. And if there should be a crime brought, then bring it. And if honest and, and also if there shouldn't be a crime brought, if someone did not commit a crime, then don't bring it. And we should all live with that and know that it wasn't about politics, that it was about looking at the facts and doing an investigation and seeing where the facts lead. And if a crime occurred and you can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, bring the case. I think you can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I don't understand why um, if they don't bring the case, but but that's that's where we are with this. Well, you know, I think the Department of Justice uh, has has a case um, and they've shown by the many prosecutions that they brought. I mean, there are people with their uh, cold bare feet on a prison floor right now um, yeah. from for the January 6th insurrection. Yeah, they've made over 700 arrests. Right. And the other the other thing that is significant that I think is evidence that the Department of Justice is going to sniff out any crimes and prosecute and indict anyone, uh, rather, you know about it or not, uh, you being the public, um, that the Oath Keepers had no clue. Those 11 people had no clue that they were going to be indicted the day that they were indicted. Uh, Enrique Tario, the, the leader of the Proud Boys, no clue that he was going to be indicted so much so that the guy was almost naked when he was arrested. So this idea that we have, we have to know what Merrick Garland, the department of justice is doing to make sure that they're held accountable. is kind of ridiculous. The other thing too, that I just want to add is that Merrick Garland isn't actually in charge of prosecuting in people in the jurisdiction of DC. He is the attorney general, but he is not the prosecutor in DC. I think a lot of people get that confused uh, and maybe maybe I'm wrong to point that out, but I actually think that is a significant thing that uh, Merrick Garland actually has as the attorney general. He is the tippy top of the Department of Justice. And there is a lot of other cases that are going on 
other than just the cases that have to do with January 6th. So inside the jurisdiction of D.C., which is very busy, I've heard they've tried to hire uh, several hundred more attorneys to try to try these cases uh, to get them through the system because there is so many cases that are being brought. And, and it's it, it is kind of just the irony is like, oh, they're not doing anything, but they're hiring like hundreds of attorneys to get these cases through the court system. But Merrick Garland isn't the actual prosecutor in the D.C. jurisdiction. He is the boss of the person who would prosecute those cases. Is that correct? That is correct. Every uh, jurisdiction has its own United States attorney appointed by the president, confirmed right. by the Senate, and mm -hmm. Merrick Garland is the boss of right. that person. Right. So, so he doesn't actually bring those cases. Speaking of D.C., this case of the Secret Service uh, this morning that is kind of like blowing up on Twitter and these videos of this, I want to play real quick here. Let me see if I can play this video. Can you see, you can see this here? This is a, a video of a couple FBI agents. Now let's turn the sound off. Walking out of a building called Crossing, um, and I guess it's a luxury apartment building in D.C. But apparently, what has happened is that there was uh, several. I, I I guess they were uh, phony <clears throat> DHS agents, is what they were posing as, and I I don't know if I guess they were renting apartments for secret service agents that possibly could have um, been protecting the first lady. I, I, and I'm not sure what, what do you know about this story so far? So this is just a crazy banana story that I've, I think we don't know enough because either these are real secret, you know, I, I asked some people in law enforcement this morning, cause I was like, this can't possibly be true. And, and I think, there's a possibility that they might actually be um, they might actually be agents of some sort. So let's I think we have because if they're not, this is a really, really dangerous story. So there's two individuals um, who were posing as federal agents. And it depends on who you ask, what agents they were posing as some super secret something or other. They were living in an apartment building where many FBI agents, Secret Service agents and DHS agents live in Washington. And they seem to have a lot of money. And so they're being funded, you know, by renting these expensive apartments and um, and having access to things that I don't know who's funding them. So I, at first I was like, this is either a foreign government or a terrorist group or it could, you know, be both and be the uh, Republican Party, frankly, which, you know, right, I, I right. Don't, well, domestic I, terrorists, domestic terrorists. Ex exactly. Exactly. I mean, and that's what I mean, you know. Um, and, you know, look, there are there are there are parts of my my leanings that have always been both liberal and conservative. And I, you know, used to very much um, before Trump, you know, not be so anti Republican Party. But what's happening now, the and, and many of the people in, as Ben Mizellus calls it, the GQP and the QAnon, mm -hmm. you know, branch of the Republican Party. I think there is a domestic terrorism element to uh, to that. Anyway, these these guys had access to uniforms, to badges, mm -hmm. to guns, to identifications, to cars with lights to all the bells and whistles, to all the secret equipment, to all the things that if you were law enforcement, you would have access to. I mean, a lot, you know, you, you watch TV, you see people posing as law enforcement. They might have bought a badge, a fake badge off of, you know, off of the Internet somewhere, or they might get a uniform off the Internet somewhere to have all of the things that these individuals had 
is sort of staggering to have the resources they had to rent the apartments and um, to, you know, keep up this charade that they were actual federal agents. The fact that they were so convincing that they could get close to the Secret Service agents that were guarding the first lady of the United States. If- that's what blows my mind. Like, that's the part like, holy, because sh- really it points out more than um, the question of who these people are is like, what is the secret? Like, there's been so many dings in the Secret Service's reputation over really the last couple decades. Um, we've seen when Obama was president, there was several jumped in. They went into the White House. I mean, there's just been time after time after time where the Secret Service has really damaged their reputation. But that is probably one of like people guarding the first lady are compromised here by these by who knows who right and that's right. probably the most the craziest part about the story that they were convincing secret service agents don't you think at this point i i actually that's why i i'm stunned by the story that's why i think there's a possibility that maybe they actually are agents because i i can't believe it otherwise otherwise where did they get all of this how did they do it how did they know the language that you speak, you know, the terms that you use, the training kind of, you know, things that you needed? How did they have access to all of the law enforcement memorabilia and bells and whistles and, you know, identifications and, and tools and toys and things that they have? How did they have all of that? How did they have the money to rent? I think it was like $40,000. Yeah, it's like $7,000 like, a month for it. Cause this is not like, um, like a cheap apartment building. This is a yeah. luxury apartment yeah. building. There's a, and there were two, there and there were two of them. There were right. two of them. Right. Well, here, so two let me, people- let me show you a video here. This is a, a report of, I guess a neighbor, it doesn't show his name or his face, but he talks a little bit here um, about the the suspects, the the supposed phony DHS agents. The two individuals charged today in the indictment. Um, they, were, they were pretty cool, you know. Um, they, they told us they were special police, so we thought they were actually police officers walking through the building with weapons and everything. What did you think when you saw that they were impersonating as federal agents? Well, I, I didn't. We didn't know. So there's there's a resident. He goes on to say in this um, this little interview here. He goes on to say that he he would they would sit by the pool and hang out, and that's that's kind of how they got to know him. I guess is that these people did not have any they didn't have any suspicion. Now there is another interview of a resident that was very leery of these two gentlemen, um, and, and they go on to say, I guess that kind of creep the women out or something in the building you know I'm, I'm not sure if there was like an an incident or something but there there apparently is a couple different views of the residents in the building of who these people were but it just because uh, i hear what you're saying about maybe these are really agents but they're not acting in their official capacity could that be what's going on is they are agents of the government somewhere because we seen during the january 6th uh, I call it the Cheeto Dust Kangaroo Coup, um, where the law enforcement officers, uh, former officers, former military, and were part of the insurrection. They were part of trying to overthrow the government of the United States. Do you think maybe that's what's going on here? Is that they're actually agents? They're just not acting in their capacity. They're acting against their oath. Or they're former agents, and that's how they have access to right. all of the memorabilia, the language, the, you know, they, they know how to talk. You know, there's there's certain sort of things that you would say and do and, and places that you've been and trainings that you've had and, you know, ways to kind of bond and 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 
get credibility and legitimacy with other agents to convince them that you are who you are. Right. So maybe they're former, you know, former agents, but I still think there's more, there is more to this story and I don't know what it is. You know, is right. it going to turn out that it's being funded by, you know, by somebody who, who was motivated by getting close to Biden and, you know, the first lady, was it being motivated by, you know, some sort of domestic terrorism or a foreign government, you know, like, like, the Russians, you know, is it, or is it, or is it going to turn out that, you know, that maybe I watch too much television, but maybe this is all part of some undercover, you know, maybe they're so deep undercover that they were getting blown and they had to go through with the undercut, you know, they had to continue the the ruse and arrest them. And it sounds know, like a really good movie. This sounds know, like a really good movie, by the There's way. There's <laughs> something is going to come out. There's more to right. the story because there is just no way that two guys you know, decided that I'm going to be this and and be as successful as they are because the Secret Service, they do a really, really good job. Yes, they've had a few um, a few things, as you point out, mm -hmm. that have called it into question. But, you know, they, a lot of I don't think, you know, most presidents don't die or don't get shot at. And mm -hmm. um, they do a really good job at protecting them. And they, they do a lot of other things, too, other than just um protect, you know, that's one of the things they do is protect, you know, the president and, and the family and former presidents, which, you know, they, they do, they do have a whole other um, aspect to them that in investigates financial crimes and cyber crimes. And, you know, they're, they're, it's an excellent organization. And, and I, you know, so I, I don't know, I don't know how it happened. And I know that they're going to do a deep investigation into both who these guys are, but also how it happened. And and we'll see from there. But I, I just this is a story to watch for sure. Well, as this develops, we'll, we'll have you back on as we get more news. And I really appreciate uh, you joining us before before we head out here. Um, we're going to head into the second hour here. And we appreciate Karen coming and joining us today to talk about these topics. Tell us where we can find you. Tell us about about the the Wednesday edition of Legal <laughs> AF right before you go. So everyone knows where to find it, where to find you and how to how to follow you on Twitter is is an important thing thank you so yeah so i go by kfa legal i was i was so impressed you were able to pr uh, pronounce my name by the way so I oh yeah hello. yeah because yeah, well, it's, it's not easy it's not easy I practice to i practice yeah I practice. so i figured I you know a lot of people in my old job called me kfa because it's just so much easier so i just kept it and so kfa legal is who i'm on twitter and i'm the co-host of legal af wednesday edition you can um you know, catch us through YouTube, through Twitter, through Midas Touch, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, but, you know, follow the Midas Touch and, you know, they're, they're amazing. The Midas Touch.com and the Midas Mighty, as you gave them a shout out, or they're really the fuel that keeps us all going because they're just so loyal and wonderful and, you know, it makes it all worth it. So thank you so much for having me. Well, shout out to the Midas Mighty. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to let Popak, cause I've had Popak on. Popak kind of invented the Popak poppin'. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I, I have Popak on. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to text him and tell him, Hey, Popak, you know, you're a great guest, but this KFA, oh my <laughs> gosh, she may, she may just take your seat at the Aww. table here for the, the Tony Michaels podcast uh, legal AF correspondent, I guess we could call it that. Maybe I appreciate I, it, you know. But I need a catchy phrase like the pop pop pocket or whatever it's called. Pop pop. Well, here, here, I'll show it's you. Like I'll a, show you. A catchy. It's a catchy phrase. Yeah, I know. Watch, watch this. Watch.
So there, yeah, exactly. there's the there's the the sound that we do when Popak comes exactly. on. But you know, but maybe we'll come up with a, a graphic and some kind of catchy. Yeah, catchy exactly. Thing. Thank right. you he's very. Great, he's great. He's a great. He co-host. is. He he is. He he's a great co-host. He's a great guest. Uh, we always, everyone always loves to have Popak on. And go subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can go watch all the Popak poppins if you want over there on our YouTube channel. Go to the Tony Michaels podcast on youtube and you'll find them there thank you very much for joining Thanks us for Karen. Having please me. come back when this secret service story yeah. develops the da it's story crazy. develops it's crazy we'll, we'll have you back as this develops everyone stick around we'll be right back after these messages thank you karen take care what the fuck is wrong with you people it's a rhetorical question at best we'll be right back on the tony michaels podcast Fellow patriots, what would you do if there was a Trump supporter right in front of you, crying in pain because they have to live under communist tyranny? We know what you would do. You'd reach out and give that true American a hand. Now, here's your chance. For only $50 a day, you can help us help those true Americans recover from Biden's socialist reign of terror. These are those Trump supporters, and this is that moment. Send your donation via Venmo to the real president, Donald J. Trump. It's only $50 a day, recurring. And it means you'll get these Trump supporters the critical help they so desperately need to survive under this false regime. Please donate now, because those Trump supporters you just saw can't wait another moment. Fuck em, fuck em, fuck em, fuck em, fuck em. We're back to the Tony Michaels Podcast. So we're already getting suggestions on the KFA segment. You know, we, we do the Popoc pop-in at Midas Margin. She, um, she says the KFA ketchup. You know, maybe the KFA ketchup. Oh, see, look at there. I already, I still have her her banner up. It was it was so nice to have uh, KFA Karen Friedman Agnipoglo on the show. Well, it's fantastic to have her insight into the uh, the Manhattan DA's office. Again, she was number two under Cy Vance. So, um, <laughs> a gavel for KFA. Maybe KFA gavel gaveling for KFA. Uh, Robin says here. Um, MJ wants me to remember or remind everyone that that K fans are <laughs> KFA fans. You see that? You see K fans. Uh, thank you, Karen, for coming on the show. We really appreciate your insight into these topics and your unique experience in the, the Manhattan DA's office. We are we are into the second hour now on the Tony Michaels podcast. Again, reminding everyone out there, we're on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch every single weekday, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern, eleven Central, nine Pacific. If you're out on the West Coast, and we're on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch streaming live. Just go to thetonymichaels.com. You can find all the links there, or go to YouTube and just search the Tony Michaels podcast. You will find us on our channel. Speaking of that, we also broadcast on the Midas Touch Facebook page. We're on the Books of Face, folks. The Books of Face. So go over there and uh, follow Midas Touch. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. But don't forget, 
Don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Tony Michaels Pod. You can follow me and Gabe also on Twitter at the Tony Michaels and at I am Gabe Sanchez, my co-host and executive producer. I don't know if he's going to be joining us today or not. We went a little long with Karen. That was fantastic. I, I'm glad we got to talk about those topics. Um, but go follow us on at Tony Michaels Pod because, as you guys know, we do the Bonehead of the Week every single week. And boy, are there some boneheads to pick from this week. Holy moly. Looks like Marjorie Taylor Greene may make a reappearance uh, this week on Bonehead of the Week. So if you want to vote for Three-Toed Marge, as I call her, Hooffoot Green here, uh, don't don't forget to go follow at Tony Michaels Pod. We will release the Bonehead of the Week poll sometime today for you to vote. And then tomorrow, in the second hour, you know every Friday in the second hour of the show, we go through your vote, your vote on the Bonehead of the Week poll me and Gabe break down why those people appeared on Bone of the Week, and we break down your choice, your vote, the winner of the Bone End of the Week. So don't forget to, to go vote on the Bone End of the Week. We appreciate that. You know, we need really, we got a lot of topics to cover here on the shit list roundup where we round up all the tweety tweets and the trendy trends today. Apparently, Nancy Pelosi is planning on going to Taiwan. Uh, of course, we have the Secret Service, but we also have the Capitol Police in the news with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Just another reason to put that moron on the bonehead of the week. Paul Gozar was trending earlier. Of course, Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson, and we're going to get a vote for her to be the first black female the first black woman on the Supreme Court of the United States today, the most qualified nominee to ever be voted on in the Senate uh, to be confirmed to the United States Supreme Court uh, as a justice. Today, we should have that this afternoon, I believe. I'm not sure exactly uh, when they plan on taking that vote, but I guess it's this afternoon. We also have some uh, news at the UN's Human Rights Council. Uh, China apparently has voted to not strip away the voting rights of Russia in the Human Rights Council. So let's do this. Let's go to the shit list roundup and round up all the tweety tweets and the trendy trends. Let's start the countdown. Welcome, welcome back to the Tony Michaels Podcast. We are reached the segment in the second hour where we round up all the Tweety Tweets and the Trendy Trends of the Day. The shit list roundup. Oh, boy. A lot of stuff to round up today. A lot of garbage. A lot of stuff to dunk into the trash. Uh, specifically, six members of the House of Representatives who voted to not investigate war crimes or to have an investigation into war crimes because Republicans don't want to investigate Putin war crimes because those are war crimes that they would commit. Just like in Tennessee, just like in Tennessee, they're trying to hide that they were wanting to marry little girls. That's right. They were trying to give away their child brides in Tennessee. 
And as soon as everyone found out and we started yelling and screaming into the microphone, I was yelling and screaming for the first 20 minutes, I think 20, 30 minutes yesterday. I don't know if you if you noticed. And I tweeted about it a lot yesterday. And I'm going to continue. These kid diddlers are not, are, we're not going to let up. They didn't just stop being kid diddlers because they decided that the bill would be unpopular. No, not going to happen. We are going to continue to pound this drum. We got the 2022 midterms coming up. Do you want a bunch of people who want to marry your 12-year-old daughter running and winning in Congress? Do you? Do you want people who are control of gas price? That's what they're saying. Oh, Joe Biden and the Democrats are making gasoline so high. The bread and milk is so high. You go to Tiffany's and the bread at Tiffany's is so high. You remember this? This fucking stupid shit that the former guy, Donald Trump, the Cheeto Dust mobster said, I don't know, last week or the week before, who can fucking keep up with this dipshit? Saying that the bread at, there's no bread at Tiffany's. That's what he said. I go to the hardware store and they're out of bread at the hardware store. What a fucking idiot. Guess what? We are not going to forget this shit. We're not going to forget. And let me ask you a question. This is the question you need to pose to everyone out there. You talk about messaging. We talk about it here all the time. <laughs> if one of your one of your people around you, your family, your friends, whoever, coworkers, are like gas prices, Biden's fault, vote for Republicans. You just say, look, you want the people who want to marry children? You want a bunch of fucking pedophiles? You want Republican kid diddlers in charge of the gas prices? You want Republican kid diddlers in charge of the economy? You want Republican kid diddlers in charge of infrastructure? You want Republican kid diddlers in charge of health care? That's what you want? Get the fuck out of here with that shit. I don't want pedophiles anywhere near anything in charge of anything. I don't care what it is. Don't want them in charge of anything. That's where we're at, folks. Not one Republican. Not one. I didn't hear him. Did anyone else find a statement yesterday of a Republican in front of a microphone denouncing denouncing the pedophile bill in Tennessee? I didn't hear one. Not one. Not a Mitt Romney, not a Susan Collins, not a Lisa Murkowski. None of those. So you damn sure well know that the fascist, the, the full-on fascist in the party didn't say a goddamn thing. They were just like, oh, no, it was a clerical error. We're going to change it to 18. Huh? Wink, wink, wink. Just forget, just forget we did the whole pedophilia bill thing. Just forget about that. <laughs> just We don't actually want to marry your children. We just said we want to marry your children. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Let's go to the timeline. I want to show you a few things here on the timeline. It's very important here. Um, here is uh, another video. Bad Company had it here. He says, who lives at the crossing? Let me make this a little bigger here. There you go. Uh, Bad Company says, who lives at the crossing? That's a good question. I wish I could come up with the answer to that question. Is there is there prominent politicians? Are there lobbyist who lives at the crossing this is where the crossing is where we seen the uh the fake phony dhs agents or whatever the hell it is the, me and kfa were talking about um here here is uh, some fbi agents these are actual fbi agents walking into and you can see they're wearing gear here 
They're walking into the crossings, the building, the luxury apartments, and they're like $7,000 a month to rent or something. Like this isn't just any old apartment building. They got like a private pool and all kinds of shit. Like it's, a, it's a luxury apartment. So uh, bad company asked who lives at the crossing, which I think is a good question. Uh, maybe we'll find that out more as the days tick on. A uh, Karen, speaking of KFA, she tweeted this morning, DeSantis versus Disneyland. Mickey Mouse will ha- will win hands down. Hopefully this will finally be his downfall. Uh, I believe so. Uh, we talked about this yesterday that Ron DeSantis, this, this is the same fucking bullshit where they want to sexualize your kid's gender. Same shit in Tennessee. It's weird. It is fucking weirdo kid dealer type shit where they want to sexualize your kid's gender and they want to marry your children. It's fucking weird. Here, you want to hear? You want to hear? Here's a clip from yesterday. And meanwhile, in Tennessee, we have a bill where a rapist family can sue a woman for being raped. I'm not shitting you. It's time to use messaging to win the 2022 midterms, folks. It's time. Not not next month. Not the month after. Not the month before the midterm. Now is the time to fight the fight that these fascists want to fight. They're going to win on policy for the time being. Don't get discouraged. That's what they want you to do is to get discouraged about the policy losses. Like in Florida, the don't say gay bill. They won that policy. And Ron DeSantis, that Nazi bigot in Florida, signed the don't say gay bill. And now, now is picking a fight with Disney because Disney knows it's wrong. Not because Disney is some kind of woke company. Disney CEO said, you're right. I should stand with equality and equity for all. And that's what they're doing. And that's the fight that Ron DeSantis is fighting against, is equality and equity. And that is the fight that Ron DeSantis is fighting against when he fights Disney. Disney's saying we stand for equality and equity. <laughs> and Ron DeSantis is like, no, you're woke and you're a piece of shit if you stand with equality and equity, you sons of bitches. And I want to play a video for you here. Uh, this fucking moron. Candace Owens. What a what a fucking weirdo this is. This is a weird fucking video. Let's go through it. What we just examined is a mentally unstable adult predator who has access to children. So she just showed a, a teacher who is a, of the LGBT community, I believe, is the clip she showed before this. But this fucking moron goes on to say shit about Disney. <laughs> that is that is clearly cooked up in the mind of a maniac our children and there is only one kind of people who don't see it that way and those are other predators like disney a company which focuses its content exclusively on children they public she has come to the realization that disney as a company focuses its entire entire company on on <laughs> On content for children. Now, that's not even fucking close to true, number one. I don't know if you, anyone out there... I, I'm sure a lot of parents out there have Disney+. Plus. If you don't, you're not with the times. Because Don't Talk About Bruno is like the, the most popular song everywhere. You can't go anywhere without hearing someone humming, Let's Talk About Bruno. Don't Talk About Bruno. Not one motherfucker. I I can't tell you how many times a day that song enters into my life. I have children. But you don't just have to have children. It's a catchy song. 
It's a catchy song. It's a great movie, by the way. But only for children? You're telling me Star Wars and Marvel, that's only for children, Candace Owens? You are a dumb motherfucker. You are such a stupid fucking idiot that you think that Disney, the only thing that Disney does is for children? Get the fuck out of here with that shit. No one, no one who knows anything about Disney other than other than Mickey Mouse as the flagship knows that Disney doesn't just do content for kids, you fucking bonehead. Quickly announced that they are going to fight Florida legislators on behalf of these child groomers in the classroom. And that, that's the other thing that they do, right? They they're they're projecting their grooming. I have never Never. I mean, I've heard the word pedophilia. I've heard child molester. I've heard all these things. But the one thing that I've never really come across in my days is the word groomer. Now, a lot of the LGBT community has run into this 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 word a lot. I've had a lot of people. Um, I've watched a lot of people, and I've had some people DM me that this word groomer is really attached to LGBTQ community. Um, members and allies even but the you remember back speaking of another fucking bonehead that we just talked about marjorie taylor green standing on stage at a nazi rally excuse me a trump rally a nazi rally saying that steve uh, excuse me pete Buttigieg and his husband were going to go into little girls bathrooms that's the groomer thing that's the nonsense right that's the bullshit that they sexualize gender and they sexualize your orientation. Literally because it has the word sex in it, they sexualize it all. And they think gender is sexualized because the word sex and gender kind of share the same, one of the same definitions, right? But what does fucking gender have to do with anything about sex, if you think about it? If you get a man and a woman who are married, and you start talking about, oh yeah, Bill and and, and Tammy, they're they're married... You don't immediately think about sex, right? But these fucking weirdos, as soon as as soon as you say, yeah, Tom and John, they, they're married, they have two kids, they're like, oh my God. I mean, they immediately they hear they hear LGBTQ in any form or fashion, they immediately go straight to sex. Like you know that a lot of people who are married are married because they love each other. I mean, they they probably have sex, but that's not the only reason why they're married. That's not the only reason why human beings partner with each other. Not the only fucking reason, you fucking weirdos. Apparently it is for them. They will demand that these people, like the woman that we just showed you. These people. You notice that phrasing? These people. (laughs) Has a right to speak to your child about her partner's trans feminist, whatever that even means. Has the right to what? Be Be a trans feminist? So what Candace Owens is saying here is she that person, whoever she's talking about, has no right, no right to be a trans feminist in this country. Absolutely no right. And we should stop her from being that. The fuck are you talking about? As if that wasn't bad enough, a private meeting amongst Disney's top executives recently leaked in which the <gasps> animation director oh my God. said very clearly that Disney has oh. been, quote, so welcoming to my not at all secret gay agenda. I'm sure that's exactly what she said. <laughs> Quotes. Yeah. It yeah. turns out it was. Yeah. At the, at the very end, listen, listen to the very end right here. 
It turns out it wasn't Ursula or Maleficent. Here, here. Let's listen. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. 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 That's that. That's an indication that everything she just said is a fucking lie. It turns out it wasn't Ursula or Maleficent, mm -hmm. yeah. Captain Hook, or even Scar oh and the Lion God. King. Nope. The greatest Disney villain of all yeah. time is Disney itself. Yeah, Disney itself. It goes all the way back to Walt. What the fuck? Boycott them. Every park, every show, every coloring book. Now, I do have to say, I am not against them boycotting Disney, by the way. Not at all. Fuck no. Let me let me give you a situation here. Imagine a place that you could go that had fantastic rides, that that was a great experience, right? Your kids loved it, and there wasn't a Trump humper within within a hundred miles. That would to me would be the most magical place on earth. <laughs> oh, fuck. Because parents allow me to make this part perfectly clear to you. Yeah. But we'll follow this. The intentional and overt confusion and sexualization of our children in the classroom is... You're sexualizing their gender, dummy. You're sexualizing their gender. Anyone who has a kid out there, and Candace Owens, I don't know if she has a kid or not, probably fucking not. Everyone who has a kid out there, a little kid out there, has questioned their, their gender, their genitalia. Because they don't know. A little child, a little child, has no idea all the bullshit fucking stereotypes... That conservatives place on gender. They have no idea. No clue. Just like they have no idea about racism. They have no clue. They're taught all this shit. You dumb motherfucker. You're not born knowing. Oh I'm a boy. And boys should like this. Or I'm a girl. And girls should. That's not how, that's not how it works. See you're, you're taught these things. And normally a parent has to explain to a child what the difference is between the genders and it has nothing to do with sex candace owens you fucking weirdo obvious pedophilia is around the corner yeah you don't guys you allow them for one yep. second to convince you we that shouldn't that's some let imaginary you have any control over anything head the slope is real yeah it is and real it is the slope is real this projection here that she's that she's projecting onto us is fucking is 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 astonishing it's absolutely astonishing, and this is what they do. This is what fascists do, is they continue to make pedophilia a constant word in their mouth, so that way it's like, well, well, when they pass a bill in Tennessee to make sure they can marry children, they can marry eight-year-olds, they're like, well, Democrats do it, right? That's the whole purpose. Well, it's normalized on the quote-unquote other side by those other people, so we can do it, right? That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing when they do this nonsense. I mean, if you want to boycott Disney, go boycott Disney. But the claim that Disney is some kind of part of the pedophile cabal, you are a dumb motherfucker. Disney is part of the profit cabal in this country. They bought fucking 20th Century Fox, Marvel. They bought Lucasfilms. You are a stupid fucking idiot if you think they're part of the pedophile cabal, the Republican Party. They're part of the profit cabal. Corporations, you dumb fuck. We must not give these freaks and predators so much as one inch. Yes, we should not. We should not give them one inch. So let's keep them on blast. Let's make sure everyone keeps knowing that these, that these Republican kid diddlers are out there and they're not going to stop. They're not going to fucking stop. Um, 
speaking of kid diddlers and Republican kid diddlers, let's um let's play. Uh, Joe here has uh, a clip from Jamie Raskin destroying the kid diddler, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a projectionist, by the way. She said, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski are pro-pedophile to vote for a judge who sentenced pedophiles to federal prison sentences. I don't know. I, I, I can't figure out how they keep saying that KBJ, Judge Brown Jackson, is pro-pedophile when she sentenced pedophiles to prison. To federal prison. They're sending in federal prison right now. The people she sends. It doesn't make any sense. She didn't let them out of prison. She put them in prison, you dumb fucks. Uh, Joe says, don't bring a Marjorie Taylor Greene to a Jamie Raskin fight. <laughs> it will never go well for you. Never. Uh, let's listen to Jamie Raskin here and see what he says. Uh, the, the general lady, I think, said something about the Russian hoax or uh, Russian collusion. I, I accept the heckling, Mr. Speaker. That That's all right. Because if she wants to continue to stand with Vladimir Putin and his brutal, bloody invasion against the people of Ukraine, she is free to do so. <laughs> there is a strong Trump-Putin axis in the general lady's God she wants to continue damn. To stand with Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump. That is her prerogative. But please do it on your own time. Forthwith. Forthwith, he says. <laughs> uh, Jamie Raskin. Jamie Raskin. Oh, my God. You are the flamethrower of the house, my friend. Keep going on the floor of the house and torching these Republican kid diddlers that are the Republican Party. Okay, let's uh, um, there is. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Here. Jack has another video of Marjorie Taylor Green here. Just uh, completely getting dismantled. This is the part before he lays into her. Let's watch what she said when he lays into her. Government. But somehow the communists here in charge have forgotten, or yeah, no, not communists. forgotten, or purposely, yeah, purposely abusing the Constitution yeah. and what this this body of Congress is supposed to do. Um, uh, Here's the thing. Is they tried to overturn the Constitution that she's talking about. They tried to stop the House of Representatives from constitutionally certifying the vote of the President of the United States, the head of the executive branch. It really is fucking dumb. It's just really fucking stupid. And we have to listen to this moron. And of course, Jamie Raskin. <laughs> Fourth with her. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Mayo says, Jamie Raskin is my hero. Yeah, thank you, Mayo. Of course, he's, he's getting on the top of the list uh, for everyone's favorite pick. And for possible a presidential run. Oh, Ty Ross has some um, interesting news here uh, on her Occupy Democrats uh, uh, article. Apparently, the Oath Keepers didn't get the memo that hiring a previously su suspended attorney who spent his days retweeting Kevin Sorbo may not be the best move. Well, they fucked around, and now they're finding out the latest at Occupy Democrats. Um, apparently, the Oath Keepers uh, attorney, defense attorney for January 6th has been disbarred. Um, so that's that's some breaking news. Maybe we'll have uh, Dakota Adams on uh, next week to talk about uh, possibly uh, Stuart Rhodes losing his attorney. Uh, one other video I want to play here before I go to the Tweety Tweets and Trend Trends, because I do want to get back to Marjorie Taylor Greene and the uh, Capitol Police. Here is Dr. Oz pretending like he knows how to grocery shop. And I really want to break this video down because this guy is such a fucking piece of shit. What a phony. What a fucking fraud. And let me let me show you this guy is how he's a bonehead and a moron. Thought I did some grocery shopping. I'm at Wegner's, and uh, my wife wants some vegetables for crudite, right? She wants some vegetables for crudite. 
Oh, well, speak populism there, Dr. Oz. You're really talking to the majority of the country when they know what the fuck you're talking about. When in the fuck did the Republican Party, the kid diddlers, decide that crudite is a popular, a popular dish, not hamburgers and hot dogs? What the fuck? So, yeah, here's a broccoli. There's a broccoli. That's two bucks. Two bucks. Uh, a ton of broccoli there. Not, not a ton of broccoli. That's not a ton of broccoli at all. I mean, that's only like three days worth for somebody. There's some asparagus. Yeah. That's four dollars. Yeah, four dollars. That's only that's only about uh, eight helpings of asparagus. Yep. Carrots. Oh, look at that. Look at that small bag of carrots. Oh, my God. That small bag of carrots. There's no way anyone can make 12 meals out of that. That's four more dollars. That's $10. $10. $10 for all those vegetables. What a fucking idiot. Then watch what he does. And then we need some guacamole. That's Yeah, because you can't make guacamole there, Oz. You can't make it at all. You got to pull it up. This is how you can tell this shit is fucking fake. This is how this shit is fake. Four dollars more. Four dollars for guacamole because he can't make it. Then watch what he does here. And she loves salsa. Yeah, salsa there. Six dollars. Six dollars for salsa. And you can't make salsa either, dipshit. You can make whatever that dish is that you were talking about, but you can't make you can't make fucking Jesus Christ. Must be a shortage of salsa, guys. That's twenty dollars for crudite, and this doesn't include the tequila. Twenty dollars for crudite. You know what that is. Do you know every American, every American out there, every average American knows what crudite is, right? I have no idea what the fuck this is. No fucking clue. I don't know. And it has to do with tequila? What the fuck is he talking about? And the, the thing is here, if you look at this, look at all the fucking, look, he's got, he's got a whole armful full of vegetables here. Like two people could eat this amount of vegetables for like three fucking days. And someone makes a good point. It's per pound. He obviously doesn't know how to fucking grocery shop. And either his says it's per pound. What a fucking bonehead. What a bonehead. It really is. It really is flabbergasting. Flabbergasting that these people think, think that we're not, we're not smart. Like, look, I, and here's what I tweeted. Let me show you what I tweeted. Because he blames it on Joe Biden in the end. I don't need to play that part. He blames it on Joe Biden. Um, I'm going to give Ron credit here because he posted this video of Dr. Know Nothing here. I said Joe Biden, the godfather of the the broccoli cabal. (laughs) Because he blames the broccoli prices on Joe Biden. Again, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have Democrats in charge of the broccoli prices or a bunch of fucking child pedophiles who want to marry children and, and charge of bro- broccoli prices. Which would you rather have? Huh? I don't know. I, I would choose the people who don't want to have, don't want to marry my, my daughter, my, my 10 year old, eight year old, 12 year old, 14 year old daughter. I would prefer that those people had nothing to do with the price of anything. I said, cook hot dogs and macaroni. You fuck. That's what the rest of people do in this country who can't afford food. They buy shit food. They buy shit food. That makes them fat. That's how we've got a problem in this country because people are broke and poor. And they buy things like hot dogs, chicken, hamburger. They mix it in with shit like, I don't know, pasta. Because it's cheap and it can go far. Don't be, home make your guacamole there, Dr. Fraud. Fucking idiot. Uh, Thank you, Midas Lisa, for the, for the, uh, (laughs) Uh, she said, Ken for Conehead of the Week. 
I think you mean bonehead, right, Lisa? Or I'm not sure if it's Conan. Uh, Midas, Lisa, and Midas Ken are always in the chat um, and re recommending each other for the uh, for. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you guys go back and forth. Thank you for the super chat. If you guys, if you guys want, you can go to uh, YouTube. You can follow us and you can come into the chat and you can give us a super chat or a super sticker. We always ap appreciate all the help and, and all the uh, <laughs> support that you can give. Maybe one day Midas Ken will work his way on the bonehead of the week poll. Uh, thank you, Midas Lisa. All right, let's let's go back to the trendy trends and the tweety tweets here. Uh, I believe I believe that means we. Yeah, I think we want to go to the because I want to get to this Capitol Police thing. Have you seen this? Marjorie Taylor Greene called the Capitol Police on Jimmy Kimmel. I'm not shitting you. I'm not kidding you. She 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 wants the Capitol Police to investigate or arrest Jimmy Kimmel for making a joke on his on his late night show let's see if i can find it here did it get did, did it go off i i, I gotta because she's probably gonna be the bonehead of the week so we gotta play this let me see if i can find it here let's see if i can find this capital capital beliefs oh, here it is there it is okay let's go back here there it is. Okay, here's the uh, Eric Swalwell, of course, at the very top. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted, This threat of violence against me by Jimmy Kimmel has been filed at the Capitol Police. She called the cops on Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> you cannot make this fucking shit up. Marjorie Hooflet Green called the cops on Jimmy Kimmel for doing a joke. Um, of course, let's watch the joke. She, and you know what the crazy part is? She thinks it's so egregious. She posted it on Twitter underneath her tweet that are uh, in the house like Marjorie Taylor Greene. This woman, clan mom, is especially upset with the three Republican senators who said they'll vote. Now, I'm going to have to warn you that probably when we uh, replay this on, on YouTube, you're probably not going to hear this sound. So you're going to have to go find this clip. And the reason why is because. And, um, you know, they, they, they're going to they're going to copyright me because it is Jimmy Kimmel. So they're going to want the copyrights of this clip. So you're probably not going to hear this clip. Oh, well, yes. On Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, who's nominated for the Supreme Court, she tweeted Murkowski, Collins and Romney are pro pedophile. They just voted for KBJ. Wow. Where is Will Smith when you really need him? Huh? <laughs> Come on. That's a good Will Smith joke. That's a good fucking joke. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, and so she tweeted it and she tweeted that she called the cops on Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Eric Swalwell here tweets. Sorry, later. Sorry, lady. You voted to defund the Capitol Police. That's the thing here. They always say Democrats are trying to defund the police. Defund Democrats are trying to get rid of the police. Marjorie Taylor Greene voted against funding for the Capitol Police Department that defends the Capitol. I wonder I wonder if they have an insurrection that is uh, planned. I wonder. I don't know. Maybe that's why they wanted to fund them. I mean, why would they want to marry children in Tennessee if they don't want to marry children in Tennessee? Got to make you wonder, right? Oh, my God. Oh, let's go back to the tweet, tweets, and trends. I'm sure she's going to end up on Bonehead of the Week. I'm almost positive of it, folks. Uh, let's go to, I want to get to this Human Rights uh, Council. It's trending at number seven now. Uh, the United Nations Reuters reports United Nations General Assembly suspended Russia from the U.N. Human Rights Council over reports of gross and systematic violations of abuse of human rights by invading Russia or Russian by invading Russian troops in Ukraine. 
Um, so these war crimes are starting to take hold inside the Human Rights Council, where uh, we seen uh, the other day uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine encourage the United Nations to tell Russia to fuck off in the Human Rights Council. So many words, right? And we had Aaron Parnes on yesterday to help uh, walk us through this story. You should go subscribe to the YouTube channel and you will find that interview with Aaron um, on the YouTube channel. I'm going to post it later today, but it's yesterday's episode. So it's episode number 112. We have the interview with Aaron Parnes. It's at the very top of the episode almost. So go go check out yesterday's episode. I'll, I'll cut uh, Aaron's interview out and post it as, as well as Karen's um, uh, KFA's uh, conversation we had today. I also have a Rachel Bittacoffer conversation that we had this week that I got to cut and put on the YouTube channel. So go subscribe. Uh, you can watch those interviews separate. Um, Joe says here, breaking the United Nations just booted Putin from the Human Rights Council. It's about fucking time. Yeah, uh, Russia, Putin on the Human Rights Council really doesn't make sense. Now, I think the other news out of here, out of this story, is that China actually voted um, in support of Russia, I believe, if we can find it here. Here's Aaron's tweet. Uh, breaking the United Nations suspends Russia from the Human Rights Council. This is great news. I think he predicted this yesterday. Um, I, I can't remember. I had to go back and rewatch the interview. But Aaron had a prediction yesterday whether Russia would be removed from the Human Rights Council. We talked about it yesterday. Um, so uh, go back and watch that interview. I'm going to have to re-catch it. And I again, I will cut it and we will put it. We'll post it on um, the YouTube page later on today. So that that is the news. And I believe Russia um, got the support of China in their vote to be removed from the uh, Human Rights Council at the UN. And just not finding uh, that story. The story now is that... Uh, Russia has been removed from the Human Rights Council, which is good news. This is all good news. This is uh, uh, good news in the effort to take down uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, just like President Biden said, this motherfucker should not be in charge of anything, even a dog catcher. Uh, we should be cheering the day that Putin uh, is not not the leader of Russia. Either, you know, I don't know, by removal of his people or an ammo sandwich. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if he ends up in a bunker somewhere. Um, we got news out of uh, the speaker's office today. Uh, I guess um, she was going to visit Taiwan and just to expand, because Taiwan is expanding sanctions. You see Kiev Independent here has it. Uh, Taiwan expanding sanctions against Russia, targets high-tech exports. Um, so that could be a reason why she was... Uh, visiting because they were getting tough on on Russia. But apparently some people are saying in the chat that Speaker Pelosi has tested positive for COVID. So it sounds like maybe her trip to Taiwan, if there is one, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. And we can debate that at a later on a later show maybe. We're 35 minutes in the hour. I want to get to a few more topics. Uh, but it, it seems like maybe it's going to be delayed if she is testing positive uh, for COVID. Is that the actual word? Everybody is that that um, that Speaker Pelosi is testing positive for for COVID. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll we'll find that uh, Security Council is trending at number twenty one. Let's see what's in this one. Um, so so um, the Security Council is um, trending because Russia is a permanent member of the Security Council. Um. 
but they are no longer a member of the Human Rights Council. So they don't have a vote in the Human Rights Council, which may or may not be where, and I'm not sure about this, where um, some charges could be brought against Vladimir Putin in Russia for war crimes. Uh, let's see. Um, what else do we have trending? We had Paul, Paul Guzar earlier. I was trending. I don't know if he's he still in the trend. Let's see. In the For You page. For me. For me, the United States Senate is trending probably because they're going to vote for Judge Brown Jackson. You goddamn right. Um, they're going to be voting for Judge Brown Jackson. That's got a good ring to it, doesn't it? Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, it looks like they're expected to vote on that. Let me see if I can go over to C-SPAN real quick and see if we can see if they have a, a schedule for that. Uh, it looks like new uh, Senate to vote for Katanji Brown-Jackson. It looks like it's live right now. Let's go over and see what uh, what's going on over there. Hang on just one moment as I bring it up. As I bring it up, uh, we might be able to check out if they're voting currently. Um, for Katanji Brown Jackson, it looks like they are. Uh, let's let's go to the Mitch McConnell is talking as we speak. Let's just that the radical left would not be calling the shots, please. He insisted the radical left would not be calling the shots on his watch. But when it came to one of the most consequential decisions a president can make, a lifetime appointment to our highest court, the Biden administration let the radicals run the show. With Washington Democrats in power, the far left got the reckless inflationary spending they wanted, The far left has gotten the insecure border they wanted. And today, the far left will get the Supreme Court justice they wanted. The fringe activists who demand partisan court packing, attack the justices, and describe our Constitution as trash, made up their minds from the start of this administration. If a Supreme Court vacancy should arise, they wanted one nominee and one, one nominee only, Judge Jackson. They spent dark money to promote this person specifically. They pushed her for the D.C. Circuit. Then they badgered Justice Breyer to quit. In February, one of these groups announced Judge Jackson would be the nominee before President Biden actually did make the announcement. So think about that for a moment. The Senate has examined Judge Jackson's qualifications with the seriousness and vigor that a lifetime appointment deserves. Unlike when the party's positions are reversed, the country was not subjected to uncorroborated smear campaigns, committee boycotts, stunts with cardboard cutouts, or mobs chasing senators around the Capitol. Now, a few of our Democratic colleagues seem to have decided in advance 
they would claim that Judge Jackson was treated shabbily. I've heard that script recited, even though it didn't happen. Didn't happen. Let's be clear, no nominee before the Senate for any position deserves a cakewalk or a coronation. Tough questions about a federal judge's own rulings and statements are the definition of fair game. My Republican colleagues vigorously inquired, shed important new light on a frequently disturbing judicial record. So I applaud my colleagues for focusing on substance and not following the Democrats' <laughs> recent precedents. He applauds their racism. What a piece of shit. Unfortunately, what the Senate's process turned up was disturbing. First, the nominee would not. Okay, now we're going to hear more lies. So I'm going to shut this motherfucker up. Here's the thing uh, Mitch McConnell here <laughs> is projecting. It's more, it's more Republican kid diddler projecting. Uh, it's the same thing when they accuse, ah, oh, the Democrat blood sucking cabal with their pizza place and they're trying to take your children and they're trafficking and they're sexualizing children. They're sexualizing children's gender and they're trying to marry them. It's more projection. When he says, oh, dark money paid for KBJ, and oh, the dark money decided. And Give me a fucking break. Listen, they're really fucking pissed off that they don't get to ask Joe Biden's Supreme Court justice nominee about the sexual assault allegations against him because there are none. They're really fucking pissed off that they don't get to ask Joe Biden's nominee for Supreme Court justice about hiding her bigotry behind her religious dogma because she doesn't. This is why I keep saying this is the difference between the two fucking parties. It's obvious just in the questions that they're upset that they don't get to ask. Right. Republicans are fucking pissed. Lindsey Graham went on and on and on about all the questions he couldn't ask Katanji Brown Jackson because she hadn't committed sexual assault. She doesn't hide her bigotry behind her religious dogma. He can't ask her those questions because she doesn't do any of that shit. They actually their number one bitch, their number one bitch about Judge Brown Jackson has to do with their obsession with child porn. Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz are absolutely fucking obsessed with child porn. So much so that they accuse Judge Brown Jackson of somehow being a Marjorie Taylor Greene to pro-pedophile because she sentenced pedophiles to prison. Think about that for a fucking second. Judge Brown Jackson sentenced, indicted, and convicted Child pornographers, pedophiles, chomos to federal prison sentences. And somehow she's pro-pedophile. If that's pro-pedophile, then you guys, Republican kid diddlers, don't know what the definition of the word pedophile is or pro. They just don't. It's all projection. And for Mitch McConnell to sit there and say that the Democratic Party, they pressured Breyer to retire so they could replace him with some leftist that was paid for dark money, that really does give you insight into what they did with the last three nominees. They're telling you what they did. Mitch McConnell is telling you, he's like, well, we do it. Goddamn, we did it for the last three. 
So why wouldn't why wouldn't Joe Biden and the Democrats do it for this one? That's what they're saying. That's what I keep telling you is that that's why they're that's why they keep saying that Disney's pedophiles and Democrats are pedophiles and anyone who's 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 our enemy is pedophiles. They're groomers. They keep using this language over and over and over again is because when it comes down to it, they want to be able to say when they when when they pass laws like marrying children in Tennessee, they want to sexualize ch- kids, gender and in, in, in Florida. They want to ostracize trans kids in Texas. They're going to probably take away parents consent for a man to marry a little girl. I'm not shitting you. They're probably going to take they're going to pass laws or try to pass laws to take away consent to parents to marry little girls. Don't think they're not. That's not next. And here's what they're going to say. Oh, well, the Democrats do it. The Democrats do it. So that's I mean, we do it. So why wouldn't they? That's the projection. That's where their mind is at. Like, why wouldn't Democrats use dark money and pressure Justice Breyer to retire? That's what we did. That's what we do. Why wouldn't they do that? Here's Chuck Schumer. Let's listen to the majority leader. For the Senate, for the Supreme Court and for the United States of America. Today, we are here to, to vote to confirm Katanji Brown Jackson as the 116th Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Now, a few days ago, I spoke with a group of eighth graders from Cheektowaga, New York. Many of them were students of color. It was amazing. When I mentioned that this week we were confirming the judge, you could see them light up the unmistakable look in their eyes. One day, each young lady thought to herself, I can do it too. You know, it's been a dark two years with COVID. People getting sick and dying, many of whom we knew. Stores closing, schools shutting their doors. But even in the darkest times, there are bright lights. Today is one of the brightest lights. And let us hope it's a metaphor, an indication of many more bright lights to come. As I've said over and over again, there are three words that I think best fit Judge Jackson. Brilliant, beloved, belongs. Judge Jackson is in every sense and by all measures a brilliant jurist. She is indeed a brilliant person. By the judge's own telling, she first discovered her calling to the law not in a classroom or by reading a book or by talking to lawyers, but by sitting at the kitchen table next to her dad, filling out her coloring book while her dad poured through case law. Years from now, other parents and other daughters will do the same, and it will be Justice Jackson's opinions that will lay open on the table. The judge's parents, her entire family, should beam with pride that this day has come. At every step of her upbringing and career, Katanji Brown Jackson ranked among the highest of achievers. And look, we should take a moment to note that Judge Jackson will be the first and only justice with experience as a public defender. We're proud of that, and America is proud of that. It will enhance the court's ability to preserve a basic truth in our country, that all deserve equal justice under the law, from the privileged to the impoverished. 
in an imperfect world, the judge considered so many hurdles, so the judge conquered so many hurdles, and today stands as one of the most experienced individuals ever nominated to the Supreme Court. For this reason, the judge is also beloved by individuals and organizations across the political spectrum. I went through her record carefully and never did I find one instance of a peer or colleague or associate say one negative word about her. It was incredible. When we go through these records, you often find someone here and there who will badmouth the individual who knew them. Not with just Judge Jackson. The reason why... Unless we forget... <laughs> The, judge the reason is why in the minds of the American people, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, the reason why uh, Kentangi Brown Jackson is the most qualified Supreme court justice nominee we've ever seen that has moved her way to the Supreme court or the, excuse me, the Senate floor for the vote for her nomination to the Supreme court. The reason why she is the most qualified isn't because she's a black woman. It's because she is a black woman. It's because she had to work so fucking hard. She had to earn her spot. She earned every fucking inch, every single millimeter of her qualifications to be this judge, the most qualified judge to ever sit in a nomination seat in a judicial and in a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing ever. And it's because she had to work so fucking hard. And the reason why she had to work so fucking hard is because she is a black woman in this country. That's why. And frankly, we should have more and more and more black women as judges and in leadership positions because they are the most educated. They are the most qualified of any demographic in this country. Go look at this. Go look at the fucking statistics. They're they're more college educated than any other demographic. And the reason why is because they have to be to make it. They got to be. They can't just what walk their way through life and be a white male like Brett Kavanaugh and sexually harassing, sexually molesting and raping women and drinking beer and partying and being a half-ass judge and not doing your work and not doing the shit that you got to do and still become a Supreme Court justice because you're a white man. Let's listen in again. Could have benefited from such a role model. How many would-be justices, lawyers, doctors, generals, business people have been lost to history precisely because their history books had few, if any, role models that they could relate to. We certainly have a long way to go on the road to true justice, but by confirming Judge Jackson today, we are taking a bold step forward towards reaching the full realization of our country's promise. We will make it far more likely that girls across America will feel precisely what Judge Jackson felt herself when she was a kid. Nobody can stop me. I can do this too. I am brilliant too. I belong too. For all these reasons, increasing the diversity of the court has been of one, my, one of my highest priorities and one of the highest priorities of our Senate Democratic majority, of whom I am so proud. Justice Jackson is the most important example, but we've been working on this for over a year. Of the 58 Senate-confirmed federal judges since we took the majority, three-quarters have been women. Two-thirds have been people of color. And it's not just racial or, and gender diversity that matters. We have strived to lift up judges that bring diversity through their experience. More public defenders in our courts, more civil rights lawyers, more election lawyers. When Americans of all walks of life come before the court, 
They should have confidence that those who don the robes have the ability to walk in their own shoes, to see and understand their side of the story, and then apply the law properly according to the facts. One judge at a time, one judge at a time, this majority is expanding the possibility of who merits consideration to the bench. And I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge my Republican colleagues who joined us on this occasion over the year to achieve this goal. In closing, I want to thank Chairman Durbin for, the beautif for beautifully executing this nomination process. It was equal parts fair, thorough, and expeditious. No easy feat in this modern Senate. I want to thank all of my Democratic colleagues on the Judiciary Committee. You were just fat. I want to get back to um, a little bit of commentary here. As he's closing his statements here, he's going to thank everyone. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> this is all on the backdrop, right, of... Uh, Jeannie Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife, being a QAnon seditionist, which, you know, re rather we'll actually get some justice there or not from Justice Thomas, rather that son of a bitch steps aside and steps down, and we can fill that seat with another nominee. Now, we also have the question, I think someone brought it up here in the chat. Let me see if I can find it here. Someone brought up uh, Brett Kavanaugh's debt and who paid it. Um, it's here somewhere. Someone had mentioned it. I was watching. Sorry, here it is. Uh, Jazz uh, here on YouTube says, who paid Kavanaugh's debt? I think that's a really good question. Maybe if we get the uh, answers to that, there's another Supreme Court justice seat that would be open for us to nominate. Now, that's two seats. I don't know. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. That swings a court, doesn't it, in a good direction? Who would you want? Who would you want to be Supreme Court justice? If Clarence Thomas, because he's married and he's part of the QAnon sedition, which tried to attempt the Cheeto Dust Kangaroo coup, and he voted. <laughs> he voted to make sure that the records of Donald Trump, the seditious records that shows that he tried to commit a Cheeto Dust Kangaroo coup with John Eastman and others through his phony executive privilege claim, he voted for it. Hmm. I wonder why. Hmm. I wonder why he did that. So Clarence Thomas, if he, if we figure that out, maybe he gets tied up in the uh, the DOJ's investigation into the January 6th Cheeto Dust Kangaroo coup. That is the insurrection where they tried to attempt to overthrow the government of the United States. And if he's part of that, I would say that he, if he doesn't step down and resign, he could be prosecuted or or that he could be impeached for his his role in the Cheeto Dust Kangaroo coup if he had any, which, come on, give me a fucking break. There's no way that Jeannie Thomas and Clarence Thomas weren't talking about QAnon conspiracy theories. Give me a fucking break. Now we get to Brett Kavanaugh. What if we find out that Brett Kavanaugh, someone illegally, paid off his debts for him to become the Supreme Court justice? I don't know. Maybe that's... Maybe that's impeachable. I think there's probably plenty of shit that these fucking Republican kid diddlers have done. The one, especially the ones that they put in the Supreme Court, racked up our Supreme Court and rigged it up for us, have done that's impeachable. Now, if we had those two seats, right, 
Think about it. We got two seats. That leaves two seats. Who would you nominate? Who would you nominate to be Supreme Court justice? Now, my first instinct, again, is to nominate two more black women. That's my first, because there's a whole list. I mean, that's one reason why Joe Biden said, hey, we're going to, if I get a Supreme Court justice nominee, I'm going to nominate a black woman. And the reason why is because there's such a long fucking list of qualified of women who are black and who are judges. Like, there's a whole fucking list of them. And they're all qualified. The most, like the whole list is more qualified than anyone. Almost anyone who's ever sat in the nomination seat. Almost any of them. (laughs) That list of women, black women are the most qualified. Now, having said that though, that's, that's a pretty good idea, but we're, we're, we're dealing in hypotheticals here. We're really dealing in fantasy. So since we're running down this hypothetical road of who you would um, appoint, Supreme Court justice in those two seats. <laughs> I have two nominees that I've been saying for years, for years that I would nominate. If, if I had to make the decision, if Joe Biden, if President Biden is listening, I would nominate Hillary Rodham Clinton and Barack Obama <laughs> to those seats. Why not? Why not? Really, really shit and MAGA cereal. Really piss. Really piss in the QAnon Cheerios. That's what I'd want him to do. But, you know, again, that's hypotheticals. We don't actually have a situation where uh, Clarence Thomas is going to step down or be impeached tomorrow. We do not have a a clear idea of that Brett Kavanaugh is going to pay for any crimes that may have been committed or if he was bribed by by paying off his debts. We don't have any of that evidence. We don't have any of that. That's not reality. In other words, so what might be reality, though, is the 2022 midterms. Think about this for a second. Uh, Lindsey Graham said it the other day. He said, if Republicans control the Senate, a Democratic president will never be able to nominate a Supreme Court justice. That's what he said. Everyone's like, oh, Sam Stein. You guys remember me going after Sam Stein because Sam Stein's like, oh, my God. There's never going to be another Supreme Court justice ever again because both sides are the same. Shut the fuck up with that shit. That's the media's problem is a both sides shit and both sides are the same shit. Democrats aren't the same as Republicans. Just go look at the law in Tennessee where Republican kid diddlers are trying to fucking marry young children, babies. Go look at that law. I mean, they changed it now that we caught on to them. But go look at it. It still exists. It's still there. They the, the pedophiles didn't go away just because they changed the language of the bill that they want. But it's always, always this both sides things. They're not the same. So the realistic idea is that we have to keep the Senate in the 2022 midterm. You have to vote in Ohio. You have to vote in Missouri. You have to vote in Florida. These Senate seats are open. And they're prime for the taking. Someone was mentioning here in the comments that we have to we have to get rid of Manchin and Cinema. We don't have to get rid of Manchin and Cinema. We just have to elect more Democrats to outvote them. You got more numbers, you got more votes. You don't have to rely on Kamala Harris, the vice president to come in and preside over the Senate and do a, a, a tie-breaking vote. You don't have to rely on Manchin and Cinema to tear down the filibuster 
and carve out the filibuster for things like voting rights or or maybe just maybe reform of this of this U.S. Supreme Court, which we need four more seats because we have four additional districts that need to have justices on that court. So we could add those. So I believe that is the rub here. That's the rub. We have we have to make sure that we win in 2022. The Senate, it is vitally important. Because what if, what if those two seats were to come up? What if that hypothetical thing that we were just talking about with Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh would happen? And Joe Biden would get to select two Supreme Court justices. And let's say the Republicans and Mitch McConnell control the Senate. Do you think, do you think Joe Biden's going to get to seat those two? There's proofs in the pudding. They are not going to let you seat Supreme Court justices. They've already said, Lindsey Graham has already said they're not going to do it. They're not going to. So go vote in Florida. Go vote in Ohio. If if you're in that state, vote, 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 vote. For the Democrat, the pro-democracy party, the party that will let Joe Biden seat nominees. Speaking of, of races here in Missouri, is speaking of uh, Republican scumbags and kid diddlers, Eric Greitens is poised to win the primary here in Missouri. He's the former governor, the disgraced governor who had to resign because he duct taped his hairdresser to a to a treadmill in his basement, make her get naked and take dirty pictures so he could blackmail her. Criminals. They're fucking kid diddling criminals. These Republicans are. And I am so excited to see um, as we watch here. Let me put it up uh, as we go out here. I want to show you the um, the vote here. Uh, we are going over just a bit, but I do want to show you the vote here. Here's the vote for uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson. Let's listen in for just a minute. Aye, Mr. Young. Mr. Young, no. Mr. Graham, Mr. Graham, no. The vote's coming to an end here. We see there's 53 yeses, uh, 46 noes. There's only one more vote out. I'm not sure who the uh, senator is that they're waiting on the uh, the vote for. Um, it's unclear whether Kamala Harris will put her vote on the record. She is presiding um, over this Senate hearing. You see her there uh, up top here. If you can see my mouth, she's right here sitting, presiding over the Senate. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. But this this vote here uh, to confirm for the U.S. Supreme Court makes Judge Brown Jackson now, uh, when they gavel the vote, it'll be official. She will be Justice Katanji Brown Jackson to the United States Supreme Court, which does not change the mix of the court, by the way, as far as votes. Um, we do not get a sway to the more liberal side. That's all BS that they say. So it looks like we're not going to gavel, and it looks like they're waiting on a vote 
Um, so I'm I'm going to end it there today. Thank you for joining us here on the Tony Michaels podcast every single weekday, noon Eastern, eleven Central. Congratulations to Judge Brown Jackson. Now Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. In just a few minutes, it'll be official when they gavel in this vote. When Kamala Harris, the first black woman vice president, the first woman vice president, gavels in, presiding over the Senate, that Judge Brown Jackson is now officially it gets the nomination, gets the Senate vote on confirmation for the Supreme Court Justice, Justice Katanji Brown Jackson. We should be a proud, it's a proud day in this country that we have uh, the most qualified justice that we've seen sit in the nomination seat of Judge Brown Jackson. And we should be very, very proud. And this country should be honored that she sits on the Supreme Court. And hopefully we will get uh, some footage of her being sworn in as Justice Brown Jackson. Until tomorrow, remember, remember we're going to do Bonehead of the Week. Go check out the Bonehead of the Week poll at Tony Michaels Pod. We'll post that later today. You can vote on who you want to be Bonehead of the Week. And then tomorrow in the second hour, we will break down Bonehead of the Week. Me and Gabe Sanchez my co-host and executive producer here. Until tomorrow, noon Eastern, 11 Central on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch Live, and also coming to you from the Mindest Touch Facebook page. Live, noon Eastern, 11 Central, Monday through Friday. Every single one of those days. Until tomorrow, folks. Surf's up, motherfuckers. You've been listening to the Tony Michaels Podcast. Podcast. In your face commentary of current events and political news. No rules, no boundaries. I think we've made that perfectly clear. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back soon. In the meantime, follow Tony on social media at the Tony Michaels. And until next time, raise a fist and repeat after me. Fuck them. Murphy's Meal Barn, head ass speaking.